So every so often, I think it's important for I think it's important for us to remind ourselves who we are uh, as a church, as a, as a local body of Jesus people. Uh, who are we called to be? Who is God calling us uh, to be as a church? So this is sort of my attempt to explain that uh, this morning, to talk about that. And the way I'm going to do that is we're going to take a little story uh, out of Matthew chapter 22. Uh, we're going to talk about that, but I'm going to place this one little story uh, in, into the context of the whole sweep of the Scriptures, the, the whole Bible. So one little story within the context of the whole Bible. Um, we might be here for, maybe we'll start that meeting a little late. Um, no, we'll, we'll make it quick. Um, so what we're, what we're looking at this morning is Matthew 22, verses 33 through, 34 through 40. Matthew 22, 34 through 40, before we read, let's pray. God, thank you for being in this place, for meeting us here where we are. Uh, thank you for this book, for in it and through it, by some miracle of your Spirit, you speak in this place. So speak now, and once again we, we ask that you would change us and mold us into people who look like Jesus. Amen. Matthew 22, 34 through 40, here's how the story goes. So first, Jesus is doing his thing in and around Galilee and Jerusalem. He's teaching things. He's healing people. He's you know, putting lives back together. Um, and then uh, some Jewish, some different Jewish bodies are sort of interested. Like, who does this guy think he is? He's got no credentials. Like, who, who is this wandering rabbi guy from, from Nazareth? This doesn't make any sense. So this group called the Sadducees who sort of was, were testing him. And, then, um, they, and this is just sort of normal, normal Jewish behavior, uh, normal Jewish banter. Um, and so they just want to know where he stands on some things, right? And so the Sadducees did their testing, and then in come the Pharisees, and that's where we pick up the story. So hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets, the whole Hebrew Scriptures, the whole Old Testament, all of it hang on those two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. It's the first one. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on those two commandments. You can't have one without the other. They go together and form one. We'll go that far. If Jesus would have had a mic he would have dropped it right there. 
that's Mike Dropworthy. So when you walked in this morning, it's very likely you noticed a couple of things that were a little bit off, a little bit weird, a little bit different. You may have thought to yourself, huh, that's interesting. What's up with that? Like maybe you saw this trash can up here on the stage and looking all like lonely and forlorn and out of place. And you thought to yourself, what's that doing up there? Well, that isn't right. Uh, and it's bothering me, so I'm going to move it. It's still going to bother me over here, but at least I won't see it. Um, maybe you saw that this, this uh, do we call this a pulpit? Is this a pulpit? It's a table? Table it? Pulpit? I don't know. It was upside down, and you're like, that isn't right. That's weird. Like, so good thing I put it right, right? Maybe you walked in this morning and you saw me wearing short sleeve shirt. And maybe you noticed that I was wearing some sandals, right? Looking all like it's July or something. And you thought to yourself, dude, it's winter. Some of you even said to me, did you know it's January outside? Right? You got to cover those piggies up. They're going to freeze off. What are you doing? Right? That isn't right. See, we all have this ability. Sort of look at the world and recognize when things aren't right. When things just aren't the way they're supposed to be. It's, it's sort of this gift that we've been given, right? We've all been created with this sort of filter. It's kind of this, this internal detection system that alerts us when something isn't right in the world. For instance, remember what happened in Ferguson, Missouri? I, I don't even have to tell you what happened. I just mentioned Ferguson, Missouri, and we're all like, oh yeah. Remember what happened a couple years ago when, when George Floyd was killed in the street when a police officer put his knee on his neck? Remember the protests? Now, however it is that we experienced either one or both of those two events in, in our recent history, we all sort of came to the same conclusion that, oh my goodness, something in this world just isn't right. Those who lead us can't even pass a voting rights bill. Something isn't right. I mean, like we've made some decent strides in race relations uh, here in this country, but we're not even close to where we need to be. We're not even close to where we want to be. We don't, we're not even near where we know we're supposed to be. Something isn't isn't right. Perhaps over the last couple of weeks, three, four, five weeks, you've gotten off of Highway 30 and uh, onto South Duff, and there's, there's that, that person standing there with that sign that says, um, homeless, anything helps. And it broke your heart, and you thought to yourself, oh my goodness, something isn't Right. I mean, we can look all around the world, right? This great big planet of ours has all sorts of places. We can just watch the news or get on Twitter or Facebook and we can find, oh my goodness, all over the place, there are things that just aren't right. So we look at the world and we think to ourselves, it's not the way it's supposed to be. And then we look at our own lives. We look at our own hearts. We look at our own souls and, and instinctively we know that all is not the way it's supposed to be, that it's just not right, that we aren't perfect. We have broken families. We have broken relationships. We have biases. We have prejudices. We all have these sort of little destructive patterns of behavior that we get into and we just can't get out of. We keep 
We keep doing the same things, falling into the same things over and over and over again. And sometimes we don't even know why we do the things that we do. We don't even have a clue why we say the things we say. We look inside our own hearts. We look inside our own souls and we know that deep down something isn't right. This internal detection system, the alarm bells go off. We're like, oh, it's not the way it's supposed to be. So we look at the world. We look inside our own hearts, our own souls, our own lives, and we long for them to be fixed. We just long for things to be, to be set right. We long for things to be made whole again. We long we long for healing. And here's the deal. We as followers of Jesus come from a tradition that, that recognizes, yeah, it's not, it's not quite right. The world is in some ways broken, including our own lives. But we also come from a tradition that believes that even though the world and ourselves, even though some of it's broken, it's not right, it is not without hope. Because we come from a tradition that also believes that God is alive and God is active in this world, putting things back together again, setting things right. We believe that God is at work in the world, making the world whole again, the way it was meant to be. It all started a few thousand years ago when seemingly out of nowhere, God, God comes to these two people named Abram and Sarai. Why he chose these people, we have no idea. But God chooses Abram and Sarai out of nowhere. And to them, he says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. These were old people, old people who couldn't have children anymore. So they thought, I'm going to make you into a great nation and I'm going to bless you. And through you, the whole entire planet, the whole world, all peoples will be blessed. You will be blessed to be a blessing. In other words, I'm starting the reconstruction, the renovation project of the whole world, and I'm starting with you. Well, guess what? They became a great nation, the nation of, of Israel. And then hundreds of years later, a little baby boy was born to a poor Israelite family in Nazareth. They named him Jesus. This is what we celebrated a few weeks ago during Christmas. Jesus was born. And then he grew up and became a man who lived into this blessed to be a blessing idea better than anyone in the whole history of the world. His life was marked with things like grace and love and healing and forgiveness. And his message was simple. The kingdom of God is near. God is closer than you ever dreamed before. And God loves you and God is on your side no matter what. Repent and believe this good news. Lean into it. Live into this good news that you, you, yes, you are loved by God. And then he transformed the lives of real people. He drew crowds and he created this huge movement. It was a movement of people that made it sort of made the people with power really nervous. And so the world sort of conspired together. The powerful people who were threatened by this Jesus conspired together and they had him killed. They hung him on a cross. But then three days later, you know what happened? He rose from the dead. Death defeated. Life made alive again, life made whole again, 
God really is putting things back together. And then before Jesus ascended into heaven, he got his, his closest followers together, gathered them all together. These are the people who would then become the church that would last for thousands of years later. This is the heritage that we inherit. He gathered these people together and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go into all nations. Go to all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And oh, by the way, I will be with you every step of the way. In other words, go, go, teach the world, teach all the people, all of them, teach them how to live the kind of life that I lived, the kind of life that I, I taught you to live, the kind of life that's marked with love and healing and grace and forgiveness that, that then leads to healing and leads to wholeness and leads to transformation. Teach them to work with God for the renewal of all things. That's what this book is about. That's what we get to be a part of. God renewing all things. Even at the end, he says, see, look, I'm making all things new. That's in Revelation. Look it up. He says it. I am making all things new. That's what we get to be a part of. Okay, now, if that's the case, then I have a really good question that I think we need to ask. How is God doing that? If God really is putting things back together again, if God really is renewing all things, making all things new, like, what's God's strategy? How's he making that happen? How is God working that out in the world? And how do we do that? How do we do this? One word. Any guesses? Love. Love. That's it. <laughs> That's God's strategy for putting things back together again. Love. Jesus said as much. We read it a little while ago. Right? The Pharisees come to Jesus this one time and they're all like, sum this book up. Talking about the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament. What is this book about? What is the thing that undergirds the whole thing? What is the foundation of all things? What is this book about? What is the most important thing? Sum it up into one thing, Jesus. What is it? What's the most important thing? And Jesus said, all right, I'll sum it up for you. Love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's the first thing. Love God with everything you got. All of it. Here's the second thing. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything hangs on that. Love God. Love people. Love the people on the inside you know. But love the people on the outside also you don't know. Love the people in the world who've been marginalized and pushed out like you've seen me do. Love those people too. He even went so far as to say, love your enemies. Love. Love. It's the only thing that will transform the world. Love God. Love people. That's God's strategy. Love. So at Renew, that's what we're about. 
What choice do we have? That's what we're about. Love God, love people. We're renew community, following Jesus to renew lives that renew the world. The way in which we do that is we connect people up with God, in with one another, and out with the world in service. But the thing that's foundational to all of that is this thing Jesus calls love. Love. Now, we sort of use that word love all the time. Like, we use it flippantly. And when I do weddings, I always say this. I always say this to the people I'm doing the wedding for, right? We talk about love so flippantly, right? We say we love all sorts of things, but we're not talking about the kind of love that we would say, I love pizza. That was for you, Samuel. Samuel loves pizza. He got that from me. It's in his DNA. Nothing he can do about it. It's not that I love pizza. It's not I love ice cream. It's not I love my job. It's not I love the cyclones. No, we're not talking about that kind of love. We're talking about the self-sacrificing, self-giving, self-emptying kind of love. So let's talk about those three connections, right? What are we about at Renew? What are we doing here? Well, we're connecting people up with God. Now, this right here is probably the main way in which we connect people up with God. We provide a space for people to come and connect with God and fall more deeply in love with God. This is called worship. Now, that word worship in its original language literally means to bow down, to lay prostrate on the floor, on the ground. It is complete and utter surrender. So this time right here, it isn't about us. We like to make it about us. Right? We want to come here and we want to get filled up so that we're, we want to be fed so that we're good for another week and then we can do it again. That's all well and good, but the only way that that happens is if we let ourselves go, if we surrender, if we worship, if we bow down. Right? So this time here, it isn't about us. This time here in this place, it's about the presence of the divine. That's why I love what Emily and the group do up here. They do such a good job. They're not up here performing. There's no smoke machines and fancy lights. It's just them inviting, leading us into the presence of God. Oh, I love it. And then, and then after we sing, we open up this book. Right? We, call it, we call it the Bible, the Word of God. And we believe that this is the most important book in the whole world. It's my favorite book. I hope it's yours. And we believe that the Word of God is transformative. We believe it's generative. We believe that it's creative. I mean, that's what this book teaches us. God spoke a word and a universe was born. Wow! So we believe that this book is powerful, it's creative, it's generative, right? So this time during the teaching or the message, no matter who it is that is teaching, we believe that this is very important time because we don't know exactly how it works, 
but by some miracle of the Holy Spirit. When, when words are spoken up here, whether it's before, during, or after worship, when words are spoken in here, somehow, some way, the Spirit gets involved and gets into the mix, and somehow God speaks to us through all of that. And then in our hearing, in our listening, something happens inside of us. We are changed, transformed, made new, healed, made whole again. I can't tell you exactly how it happens. And it doesn't happen all at once. It's sort of like this little by little thing. We are changed and transformed, right? From the youngest of us to the oldest and everyone in between. But you know what? It's also more than that. Here's my hope. My hope that my hope is that when we open this book together, that it will, it will do two things. It will both fill you up and at the very same time, make you hungry. I hope it sort of creates a kind of thirst inside of you that must be quenched. A hunger and a thirst that is so strong that it'll, that it'll make us want to go back to this book again and again and again, day after day after day, to listen to the voice that renews us, to listen to the voice that will change us, to listen to the voice that will make us whole. My hope is that we'll become more curious about God and that we want to learn more and that we will want to ask the right questions. We will ask questions like, what does this book say about God? What does this book say about the presence of the divine? What does this book say about humanity? What, is this, what does this book say about God's relationship with us and the rest of the world? And what, what am I to do about that? What is next for me? What changes need to happen inside of, of me so that I can be the kind of person that Jesus wants me to be? My hope is that this time together will help us to pay attention to the presence of God who will never leave us. My hope is that when we open this book, it will help us, teach us, that we'll all experience this and we'll get better at paying attention to the presence of, of God who's with us every single moment of every single day. So at Renew, we want to continue to make this time, this space, this place as open and as hospitable as we possibly can so that more and more people can come and experience the presence of the divine and fall more deeply in love with God. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So we want to connect people up with the divine. We also want to connect people in with one another. Because at Renew, right, love your neighbor as yourself. Right? So at Renew, we believe that we need each other. We need each other. That we were created for community. That we were created for deep, loving relationships. Right? So we want to provide ways in which we connect with one another. Now, historically, we've done this through this thing we call pods, right? These are our small groups, right? Prayer, in case you, you were wondering, P, prayer, O, open door, D, dialogue with God, which means we talk about this, and S, share life together. Pods, they're, they're our way of doing small group. And during the pandemic, this was really hard, 
I mean, we tried to do it over Zoom, and some of us did a very good job of doing that. Some, there was one group who got together and read and talked about a book together. They did a book study, and they went through Jesus and John Wayne, and they had a fantastic conversation and a time of learning and growth and community building. Just recently, another group of us met in this space, and we went through this book called The Secret Message of Jesus, and we had just a fantastic time connecting with one another. Right? So we look forward to providing more times like that, and hopefully, hopefully our pods will get started again because they create a space for connection, a space for relationship, a space where we can share our highs and lows with one another, our joys and sorrows. It creates a space where we can celebrate life together and where we can hold each other together when we need it because we will all need it at some point. There are other ways that we connect in with one another. We've been known to throw the occasional game night where we gather together around tables and we play, of all things, board games. We put our phones aside and we play board games together and they never get competitive, ever. <laughs> Always they get competitive. And I will, I'm coming after you if we play Dutch Blitz again. <laughs> My dude. I'm coming after you, Jack. <laughs> of course, when the weather gets warmer, we'll throw picnics. You know, we'll do some cookouts out here, right? Because who doesn't like a picnic, a grill out? You can always come early instead of like 10.05. You can always come early, hang out, you can always stay late, have some coffee, enjoy some snacks. It's a great way for us to connect in, form relationships, learn to love one another. And then we connect out. So up, in, out. Right? Look, we're not here for ourselves. No church should be here for themselves. We're not here. This place isn't about us. Right? We're here. We're about working with God for the renewal of all things. That's what God's doing. So we strive to love the world out in service. And, and during the pandemic, the time where we couldn't get together like this, we realized that, you know what? Like a lot of churches, we're just not very good at this. So we've, we've tried to put into place this thing that we think is going to help. We've tried to systematize how we're going to connect out with the world. And we tried it out last year, at the end of last year. It's fantastic. So we want to break up the year into thirds, into trimesters. And each trimester, we want to connect with a group outside of ourselves, a group, an organization that's already doing fantastic things in the world. They don't even have to be religious. They just have to be doing fantastic things in the world. Like last time, we connected with the Bridge Home, doing fantastic things. And what we did was we invited them into our most important time together, worship. And we had them on stage, and we let them tell their story about who they are and what they do and why they do what we do. And then we had a couple of times where we gathered together, and we, we went over there, and we helped clean their place. We had a supply drive, and we gathered that stuff, and we brought it over there. And then the day after Christmas, a bunch of us went over there and cleaned a couple of apartments. Oh, it was so good. So we want to create more opportunities 
where we invite others to come in here and teach us about what they're doing and why they're doing and how amazing it is. And we want to, in our space, learn, educate ourselves, and also celebrate the work of amazing people in this world. And then serve alongside of them. And here's the best part about when we do this together. We, we serve alongside each other out there. What does that then become? Not just the time where we're serving out and connecting out, but we're serving alongside of one another, rubbing shoulders with each other. We get to know each other better and we love each other even more. So we want to connect people up with God, in with each other, out with the world. We're always looking for new and fresh ways to make a difference because this isn't about us. Right? So here's my challenge to us all. We got to be invitational. Invite people, family, friends. We need more people. Not so that we can just survive, but so that we can so that we can thrive. So that we can make a a bigger difference in the city of Ames. So that more and more people might fall deeply in love with the with the divine, the one who never leaves us, so that we can share life together and show the world what it looks like to love one another, and then so that we can love out there in the world. What's the most important thing? What is it? They asked Jesus that question. What's the most important thing? And we have his answer. It's worth more than anything in the world. He said, love God with everything you got. All of you, love God and love people. Not a certain kind of people. Love people. So, that's what we're about. Let's pray.